0: The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Alrighty, here we go, everybody. Welcome to your Tuesday edition of Fantasy NBA Today. I'm your host, Dan Bespris, and we got. The theoretical mailbag coming up in uh, just a few minutes on today's podcast with our good buddy Adam King. And I'm just trying to figure out the right way to organize these Tuesday shows. Because uh, when Adam and I talk, we we definitely, we actually distinctively try to avoid the kind of day-to-day stuff that normally gets covered on this podcast because, look, the the simple fact is, the big, broad, strategic things are more interesting and impact you a lot more than me saying who's this, uh, who's this two-day streamer pickup kind of thing. I know that all of that stuff is important and we, we don't want to miss any of those things. Um, so what I, I think I'm going to do going forward, and I want to make this fast because you're hearing me sort of talk this through live on air, is on Tuesday shows, I want to just dive straight into Adam's segment. We're going to get the theoretical stuff at the front end. We'll kind of see how long that goes, where that takes us. And then after that, we'll blitz through a quick Monday recap and kind of get everybody resituated. So thanks for tuning in, everyone. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Dan DanBespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Be sure that you do. I know I'm falling way behind on Twitter questions. Sorry. Uh, it's been a busy couple of days. Hope you enjoyed Reverse Chronological Lightning Round Monday yesterday. Today... Let's just do this thing. A few interesting names were tweeted as to what we could potentially call this segment. I don't know how many of them are safe for work, so we're just going to go with the very deep mailbag for now. Welcome back to the Tuesday edition of the very deep mailbag with my good buddy, Adam King. Adam, what's up, man? Good morning. We'll do this shtick every time.
1: We will. It's, it's, it's comical every time. Um, yeah, no, look, it's... Uh... Good to be back. Very wet here today. Well, really? We've got rain rain for the next week, I think, here. So, um, yeah, we're, we're just getting used to being inside. We're, we've actually, because it's, well, theoretically, heading into our warmer <laughs> months, um, and we've been in lockdown and, and, and that sort of thing. The One of the big water parks here where we live has um, got their grand opening this weekend. And so they had a... a a special offer you could get cheap tickets, um, if but but only for this weekend. So we bought some and thinking, Oh, yeah, it's warming up, it'll be nice. Uh, and the forecast is a lot of rain, and I will tell you how uh, how warm it's or cold it's going to be. I know what it's going to be in Celsius, it's going to be. Oh, we f- doing this. about 50 degrees Fahrenheit, so 50 degrees where you are.
0: That was pretty good. Quick conversions there. I remember it's nine fifths plus 32. I'll never forget that for some reason. I don't know why that's a thing that sticks in my head. It is, it is what it, you know, I always, there's, there's a weird phenomenon. And then we're going to dive into some fantasy questions here, uh, where I feel like it's hard for the human brain to visualize a different weather pattern than what's happening right outside their own window. So like in my mind, and obviously this is, a particularly stark contrast because you guys are headed you're in springtime where you are right now so in my mind yes. i'm like oh it must be nice um we're supposed to be in cool fall weather but of course i'm in los angeles so fall doesn't really exist it's 64 and partly cloudy where i'm at right now so i just assume that's what it is everywhere that's uh it's <laughs> my, my simple brain uh we got some good questions this week we got some good questions. First of all, by the way, you can follow Adam on Twitter at AdamKing91. And every Monday, I send out a tweet, or we might alternate depending on who's less busy at a given moment, asking for questions for our very deep Tuesday mailbag show. The The point is not so much to analyze your specific trade that's happening in your league or on your team, but rather to discuss Sort of the larger strategic elements that go into fantasy basketball and how they change over the course of a season is always, I don't know, sort of somewhat illuminating to me. Cause I'm, th- What am I thinking about versus what are all of you guys thinking about? So some really good questions came in on this one. Uh, and we're going to just dive right on in here. Adam, first question is kind of a combination from two people. So I want to make sure I give the the, the tweeters their proper credit. Uh, Scientist07 on Twitter said, what should we be doing with our teams after three weeks? For instance, head-to-head, if we didn't draft a punt, but my team looks weak in some areas, do I give it more time, look at the wire, trade for categories? And this actually sort of, uh, dovetails with a question from Rudolph, uh, at Mariano Rudolph, at which point of the season do you start fine-tuning your lineups? That is, when do you show up strong categories? Or... Uh, full punt, weaker ones. I want to go to you first on this one because you're more, between the two of us, you're the head-to-head guy. I'm the roto guy. My answer is going to be really different than yours on these, this grouping of questions. So for you, Adam, I know you actually punt in drafts a lot, but when do you really start to make those
1: hard tweaks on your head-to-head team? Would you do it already? We're probably near that, near that time now. I would say probably a month, um, which we are closing in on what it's three three weeks now three and a bit or something so yeah. um yeah look i'm i'm starting to so w- sort of what i've been doing is um for the first few weeks i don't really worry too much about the results um i mean it's nice to win but if you don't then that's not the end of the world so i i look at uh, league standings so i pay a lot of attention to league standings and and Sort of specifically, each category where I'm sitting, having a look at where what my players are doing are they doing what I thought they would do? Are they not? Uh, so in in one of my teams, uh, for example, I lost, uh, what are we? It's an 11 cat league, so I think I lost no, no, it's a nine cat one, no, so I lost 7 1 1 last week, which is not good, like that. That's that's not what I want to be doing. But it was close. Uh, Going into the final day, I was actually up. And the guy that I was against just had a phenomenal last day. Uh, He had, I will bring up his team. Um, Where are we? Here we go. So he is, he had in that last day, um, so he had Jason Tatum when he had his finally had a breakout game. Cole Anthony had that huge game. He's got DeJounte Murray, who was really good. Evan Mobley, Rudy Gobert. Turner had a great game. Uh, Buddy Heald went off. So he he just happened to have a really, really good day. And so I lost. And And, I mean, you could look at that and just go, well, my team sucks. It's not doing what I want. Let's make some trades and change things up. Um, I haven't really done anything. Um, a few of my guys have just not been where they need to be. Michael Porter Jr. unfortunately is on that team. So uh, he he's, he hasn't been where I need him to be the whole season. So I am starting to have a look at, at whether my team is living up to expectations and and just making some minor tweaks. Uh, but not, not really around my main guys. Just uh, maybe I can grab a guy off the waivers. So... I managed it's a team that I'm, I'm punting guard stats. So I just want big men and big men stats, uh, and three pointers. And so I managed to pick up Josh Hart and, and, uh, a favorite of yours, Nick Batum. Yeah. Waivers. You know, I love yeah. me some
0: Nick Batum. I know that my, my yeah was for the entire response, but also definitely for Nick Batum, who has been, uh, yes. pretty damn good so far this year. Number 59, by the way, in nine category leagues on that waiver wire scoop. Um, my thought on this one, and this coming more from the Roto standpoint, is that this is way too early for me to make any sweeping changes to my basketball team for a couple of reasons. And I'll try to keep this somewhat brief so we can uh, continue to kind of kick ideas back and forth. And and Because I do have a couple of head-to-head teams going as well. But on the Roto side, this is a time of year, perhaps even more than in head-to-head, where you're still going to find – really interesting players on the waiver wire i'm hunting rest of season upside guys even still there is so much time to make up ground in roto and in fact like you you basically can't lose ground in the first two and a half three and a half weeks which i know sounds like an idiotic thing to say but the way i mean it is like the your worst case scenario in a games cap roto league is spending games on guys that don't deserve to play meaning like starting a guy who's a top 175 type player in a 12 teamer that guy's just not helping your team you're better off just falling a couple games behind even if that guy that you had to bench was going to be someone shoring up a category that you really do need to help in but these guys keep popping up you know we like from an, on an injury standpoint, if Mitchell Robinson and Nerlens Noel miss any time, then stream a couple games out of Taj Gibson. If if Nikola Jokic gets suspended for what happened yesterday, there there might be a a backup plan and a guy like a Jamaikal Green floating around out there where you can squeeze in these kind of streamer type guys, just as long as you're not wasting games on dudes that don't belong. So it is really hard, really hard to fall behind in Roto right now unless you're playing all of the wrong guys. So to that end, I don't think you really need to lean into things that you're weak in. I don't think you need to, like, pivot. And, and, you know, the funny thing, too, Adam, is when you talk about Roto, if you find you're really good in one category and really bad in another, you kind of want to bring them both to the middle. Whereas in head-to-head, if you find that same thing is happening, you probably want to push them farther apart. Like, all right, well, I'm just bad in this category. It's time to throw it into the wastebasket of history i'm really good in this one i need to make sure i win it every time in roto you want to make sure everything is pretty damn well rounded unless you are so beyond screwed and something there's no coming back i'll also point out everyone is dealing with the field goal percent issue so far this year you are and i'm ta- speaking to you the broad you listeners. you're not alone if your team got off to kind of a bad shooting start, because pretty much every team in your league is going to have one or two guys that's that can't shoot the basketball so far this year. So that's been pretty prevalent as well. I make a lot of my roto pivots, whatever they might be, whether it's the, the mid-season give up on a category uh, or trying to sort of power boost a couple. I tend to do that more about two to three months into the season. It, it's not so much a halfway marker, but getting close to it, where then you really do know where are things getting out of hand? Where can I make my big moves? And if you didn't play guys that don't belong, if you if you lagged back a little bit, you've got room to operate there as well. Um, I don't know. I mean, Adam, sort of throwing it back to you on this thing. On the head-to-head side, I, I, I just I don't know how you make a ton of decisions already. There's some stuff that does, like some categories feel a little bit more predictable than others. After three weeks, percentages feel pretty unpredictable right now uh rebounds assists things like that feel a bit more predictable Where like maybe what you're seeing in those is more real than what you're seeing in the others is that an accurate way to to discuss the early season results
1: yeah i think so um and as i said that that's sort of why i'm not i'm not making major changes yet so i'm not sort of trading one of my first few draft picks to to get another one just based on well he's not doing this he's not doing that it is It is still really early, um, especially, as you said, percentages. I mean, in in these teams where I'm meant to be sort of punting guard stats, in theory, I should be really good in percentages. And I am up there. I'm competitive. But I've got guys like Porzingis who, I mean, he hasn't played a lot of games, but he's shooting 35% from the field. That's, that's going to go up. Uh, I had Michael Porter Jr. as well, who's shooting 36% from the field. That's going to go up. If and when he comes back, uh, and and so, yeah, it's more just those back end sort of guys that I'm. Uh, I'll, I'll maybe I drafted this guy at 120. He's not doing what I need him to do. I'll drop him and I'll pick up Nick Batum uh, and and ride out Batum for as long as this Renaissance lasts, which could be the whole season. We we don't know, uh, but yeah, the major changes. I'm not. I'm not sort of willing to do that yet unless I unless I get a really nice offer so um, one trade that I was considering and, and I may float it out there to to his manager is trading Derek White for McCall Bridges um, which is a pretty fair trade Derek White's not doing exactly what I thought he would um, McCall Bridges is actually a better fit. Um, for me, but he just went higher than I wanted to go for him in in the draft. So, I'm waiting for McCall Bridges to have a bad game, <laughs> and then I'll fire out a, a Derek White trade. But um, yeah, no, I, I'm I'm not I'm not rushing into anything just yet. Still a little bit too early for me.
0: Next question on the docket. I'll make sure I keep these things uh, in the the proper order here as I try to bounce around a little bit. Um, this is from Dennis. He says, when seeking to send a trade offer, I thought this was a decent segue since we were talking about sort of when do you to start, uh, moving pieces around on your team. Do you look at totals or averages for the last 30 days? I noticed when sending a trade totals typically is the better rank than averages. What has worked for you? Two for one deals, et cetera. Appreciate it. Um, I'll go first on this one since you had to hot seat the first question. Um, so trade offers, I find, well, obviously league dependent on this, but I don't want to use that as my as my answer to the question. I will preface my answer with, you know the people in your league better than I do. If it's a high volume league where a lot of trades happen, I think I would look at recent per game averages. I feel like people look at what are the sort of big lines they've seen out of a guy or or what have you done for me lately, as opposed to like, If you're looking at totals over the last 30 days, that can actually be skewed not even just by injury, but by scheduling. A team might have 14 games in 30 days, and another team might have 11. And the guy on the 11-game team has no chance of keeping up with a a player on a team that had three additional games. So for me, it's the per-game stuff. And then also, uh, Adam, you might run into this as well, that sort of doesn't apply to the typical player. And I don't mean to present it in a way that makes me feel like I'm above anything else. But when I'm in a league with people who know me, they have an innate distrust of anything that I'm trying to do. They assume I'm trying to fleece them and like get them over the barrel. Uh, So I pretty much have to create trades where I lose if I want them to work, uh, at least on sort of like a standard value assessment where, in reality, I'm getting the player I need to gain two or three roto points, and maybe the guy I send away I only lose like one roto point. Uh, but I have a really tough time getting trades together uh, in leagues where people actually know who I am. Adam, how do you handle trading? Do you do it very much? How do you approach it? What's your What's your typical process there?
1: Yeah, I don't I don't do it um, a lot, and, and partly that the reason you mentioned there in that it's always it's always been judged, and it's always, I always feel like it's, yeah, like people are looking at the trade off and going, Oh, he's trying to, he's trying to rip this other manager <laughs> off. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What does he know? Which, which isn't the case. Um, and, but to answer the question in per game, uh, versus total, uh, for me, it's per game. So as you said, you, you might have a, a guy that's, um, yeah, that, that's played 14 games as opposed to 10. And, and so you, you can't compare the two. I guess what you do need to just be aware of if you're looking at per game is you might have a guy that uh, was injured for a period. And so he only played four games uh, and and they were four games coming off an injury. So the minutes were down a little bit. Uh, and, and so just sort of factor that in when, when you are, if you're looking at a, a trade and trying to break down the numbers that, you might be trading away this guy that's come back from injury who who in three weeks is gonna be twice as good as he is or or he was over that period. So lots of little things to consider. Um but I think also this which I think is one of the topics we're going to talk about, this almost sort of segues into that, is that a lot of times I know you, like so for for all of my leagues, my trades I I do approval by commissioner only, so it's it's me or whoever whoever the commissioner is, um, approves it. It's not a voting system because, as you said, people will often look at trades and really break them down and 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 then sort of say, well, this guy's trying to rip this guy off, and that's not a fair trade. And Adam, let me jump in for just for one second, yep. in a, yep. and add something
0: to the voting system. The voting system is idiotic because a trade can get voted down by uh, an entire league disagreeing on it. It it makes no sense. You could have, in a 12-team league, obviously two teams are in the trade, so the other 10 are offering an opinion on it. Presumably the two teams that traded are going to vote yes to send the trade through. Uh, So, you know, whatever you need, you need seven of the remaining 10, I guess, to vote no to make that thing. Here's the thing. The remaining seven, you don't need those seven people to agree on what's wrong with the trade. Like, four of the seven people could think Team A is winning it by too much, and three of the seven could think Team B is winning it by too much, which, by the way, makes it a fair trade, but they all would end up voting no, and the trade dies on the spot. That is not a workable solution in any universe. It absolutely, positively must be a commissioner-approved system, and if your commissioner isn't trustworthy, get in a different league. Continue.
1: Yes, uh, look, yeah, all, all valid. Um, and because the commissioner often is the obviously the person that, that oversees the league and has a bit of an idea of team build-up and, and who the managers are and that sort of thing. And and often a trade on the surface might look like it's a little one-sided, but it might be that, that one of the managers, all he needs is blocks and rebounds and, um, and a field goal percentage. So he might just need a, a big guy. Um, so it might be, I don't know, you might be getting a yucca purdle, uh, for, I don't know what's going to be fair here. It almost doesn't matter. (laughs) It it doesn't matter, but, but you might be getting a yucca purdle, uh, for, for someone, I don't know, like a CJ McCollum. Um, and on the surface you go, well, no, that's not fair. Um, McCollum is way better. He scores all these pointsies, but I would assume their ranking is pretty close. I haven't even looked at the rankings, but um, it might be that yeah, th- this guy who's giving up McCollum is punting points. So what's McCollum helping him with there? Really, not not much at all. So it, I think yeah, it needs to come down to the commissioner uh, voting for that for that trade. And, and I've just done that in all my leagues. And to be honest, no one has even batted an eyelid. No one's commented. Uh, And if a trade comes through, I get the okay and I approve it straight away.
0: I think that probably covers the trade stuff, although there was one sort of quickie question of how long you leave a trade sitting. If you proposed it to someone else, I think you leave it sitting as long as you still would do it, right? I don't know where any other reason to take it down other than like running out of available trades? <laughs> Cuz I think you can I think you can only propose 6 at a time on Yahoo. There's no other
1: real reason to take it down, right? No, not really. I mean, as we sort of t- touched on off air occasionally you you'll get the regretful manager who will come to you 2 days later and say, "Oh, I don't think I should have done this." Or the guy that I just got in the trade has just done his knee and he's out for the season. Well, that's fantasy basketball. That's um, Yeah. Yeah, that's that's how the cookie crumbles. I mean, maybe the other manager will agree to to undo the trade, but that's highly unlikely.
0: <laughs> yeah, nah, nah. Well, I, I I think that's actually another argument for uh for commissioner approval and fast. The waiting period is just a period where something horrible can happen. Uh, that ends up having people yell at one another. If you try, if the yeah. trade happens and it's processed, it's done. There's no going back on that. It doesn't matter what happens in the next four hours. It's done. But uh, the only, yeah, I, I, I feel like the only rule there is that like your commission needs to make sure that they're consistent with it. If a trade happens at like 11:55 p.m., I don't think they can expect the commissioner is going to approve it that night in the next four minutes. So there probably needs to be some sort of uh, numerical cutoff for like when a trade can happen and have it effective the next day, or then the commissioner will approve it the following day i just turned down my waiting period even in the the leagues i'm commissioner because i'm like look i'm gonna be busy sometimes so my waiting waiting period is one day trade happens one day it's over that way even if i can't get to approve it quickly it'll push its way through but adam i want to get to the arguably my favorite question of the day and make sure that we have enough time to to really dig deep on this one this is from daniel risby uh is it worth trading away players A lot of trade-related questions today, which I think is kind of cool. That means we're getting into that part of the season. Is it worth trading away players that make up the stats of your team for players with a higher ranking? And then he he explained himself because that was uh, sort of a difficult way to to, uh, create an all-encompassing question here. That is, would you trade away someone sacrificing key stat categories on your team for someone with a higher rank? Just because they're the higher rank and like the, the problems that that creates, I think I went first on the last one. So Adam, what are your thoughts on and I have a ton of them. This is really the question of, what is the ROI of any trade you're making? Would you always target the guy, Adam, with the higher ranking in a trade, or is it sometimes worth it to just have the guy who's ranked 18 slots lower if he's got categories that you need?
1: Mm. Uh, and I think I, I think there's a, a probably a different answer again depending on your format here, whether it's ro- roto or head-to-head. In a head-to-head league, uh, so he's used his example was um, he has Miles Turner and Jaron Jackson, and someone is willing to pay over the top um, to get either of those guys. But for him. He focuses blocks. So these two players are going to have a lot of value for your team, obviously. I guess my... It would would depend on the... Every situation would be different for me, every team. So if my team was so strong in blocks that I could absorb losing one of these guys, then I would absolutely consider it. Um, So if you're so far ahead that um, you lose... Jaron Jackson, who's averaging, what's he averaging? 1.9 blocks. So two blocks um, a game, what, three, four games a week, eight blocks. So if you're if you're winning blocks so far every week by, I don't know, if you're 20 blocks ahead of, of your opponent uh, and you're way ahead in the stats, then you can go, well, yeah, look, I can give up his two blocks a game and maybe get a player back who's only only going to give me one block or 0.8 blocks, but it's a player who, in the scheme of things, is a two, two round um, a better player, then I think it's probably worthwhile doing because you might then find in two weeks' time you can trade that player that you've just got to get someone uh, to get a Rudy Gobert um, or, or something like that who, who's, who's going to help you perhaps even more than Jaron Jackson. So it's something that I would consider if if I was close in. If, so if I'm meant to be dominating in blocks and I've won one week and lost two weeks, but I'm sort of up the top and uh, it's close, uh, I, I would possibly not do it. Um, I, I'd really have to just look at the player that I'm getting back and wh- who I think is going to have the better long term value. Um, someone like Miles Turner, who's been a top sort of 30 player over the last week or so. Perhaps he cools off at some point. We've seen him do this before where he's put up sort of second, third round numbers and then he'll, his minutes will drop and he shot won't be dropping. His rebound numbers will come down and and he might end up being a top 60 player. Whereas you can get a guy who's, who's top 40 top 30 at the moment with a a ceiling to be a, a first rounder or a second rounder. Uh, So I don't know if that really answers the question from a head to head perspective. Um it would really depend on on the individual team and, and where your focus is.
0: Yeah, I think my take on this is um I'm very much a, a yes. I'm more than willing to take the the loser side in a trade like this, which is I, I I'm just trying to simplify the nomenclature. And it, it does it attaches to what I was talking about uh on the roto side where If you do lag behind a little bit, and as you figure out what categories make the most sense for your team, you can attack those. And I've done this before. I mean, I don't even use a a trading example. Um, Adam, a couple of years ago, I had a roto team that, uh, you know, I was watching the stats like a hawk last couple weeks of the season. I'm, you know, X number of, of blocks away from catching somebody. I actually benched Damian Lillard, who was fully healthy uh, and was almost definitely going to put up a 25-7 and kind of game with great free throws and all the typical Dame stuff. I know we may have forgotten what that looks like so far this year, but he'll be fine. Uh, in favor of, I think I played Pat Beverly over him. Like, I I had a couple of guard games left. and I was like, look, I need Pat Bev. He has a better shot to block a shot and get six rebounds than Dame does. And it actually worked out. Because I was fine, I think I my my points didn't shift at all. Once you're that late in the season, uh, the difference between somebody scoring 25 and nine is like basically no difference at all. Because everybody's separated by four, five, six hundred points in Roto anyway. Uh, but I was like four blocks and 45 rebounds away from picking up a couple of points. So that's an example, not even on the trading side of playing someone who was 50 to 60 slots lower because it made more sense for my team in that moment. Now, if you extrapolate that, if you stretch that out over a longer period of time, yeah, obviously, you know, if I'm going to choose Dame or Pat Beverly for a month, it's going to be Dame for the month. Uh, or in this particular case, it was like Dame for 14 games, and then Pat Bev for one. But when you're looking at trades, it's all about what makes sense for your team. If you're in head-to-head and you're leaning into a punt, you probably want to keep the stats that you're really good at. So again, that could be an argument for trading away the higher-ranked player, shoring up the categories you're already good at. In Roto, it's trading away the category where maybe you're terrible, and this guy's trying to help you, but it's sort of to no avail. Or maybe you're so good in a category, you trade a guy away to shore up some other things, even if, again, you are taking the slight hit in that regard. Now, I, I don't think I would advocate doing that this early in the season. That's the big caveat right now, because we still don't fully know what the players are going to be when the dust settles. We're only three weeks in. This is not a time to make those sweeping things. So if you're making a trade right now, I think I could make the argument you, you generally want to target the guy you think has the highest rest-of-season ranking, because you might move them again in three or four weeks. Whereas, if, if we're talking about this in you know, the first of the year, that's the time when you're kind of like, okay, I know what my team is now. I'm going to make the ROI. They return on investment trade uh, and I'm going to get Miles Turner. I'm going to trade away Miles Turner, whatever it is, uh, and and work on whatever makes sense for my team. So uh, my answer to this question is, hell yes, I would absolutely take the lower ranked guy, but not right now. It's too early. It's still the beginning of November. Uh, I can't advocate that to this point. And I think those are probably the... I think I want to put a pin in this because those are really good questions and anything else we do would almost take a little bit of the shine off of the, the
1: theoretical stuff. Adam, I love our theoretical mailbags. These are fun. Yeah, they're good. I was trying to come up with a name during the week and I and I came up empty. So I've been trying to get some fancy way of merging our names together. And, and if you... <laughs> I did come across a Turkish word. Uh, <laughs> I but, did not expect uh, that. Um... Was it, I'm trying to think what order I, if you do, yes, if you do um, Adam Dan as one word, it is the Turkish word for man. Really? Whether we can, (laughs) anyway, I have, I had some free time, I guess. Good to know. um, Yeah, but, but I didn't, I don't know, I couldn't get it to work, so. Yeah, I, I've got nothing when it comes to a fancy name.
0: Yeah, there were some funny ones that came our way. We probably can't use those long term. We can joke <laughs> about them. Um, I think right now it's just the theoretical mailbag. That's where I'm sitting for the moment and we'll we'll adjust as need be. Adam, at AdamKing91
1: on Twitter. My
0: good man, I'll talk to you in a week.
1: Uh yes I'll I'll be here um and and ready and hopefully some yeah some more good broad questions coming in yeah. next week really good work everyone Adam thanks a bunch man no worries I'll talk to you later
0: my good buddy Adam King we'll talk to him in a week it's nice to get a get some regular guests going on the show Adam Brew got to figure out another time to get my old buddy Brandon Marcus back on this thing we haven't had a Brandon day in a little while here. Uh, and we'll do more of that. I'm going to be reaching out as uh, things settle. We have some uh, huge things going on at Hootball that you guys will learn about very soon, I think, within the next two weeks or so, be my guess. And as we get through that, we'll probably see some more uh, rotating guests. I want to get our buddies from Basketball Monster back on here, Josh, Matt Smith. Uh, Matt Straup, Alex Ricklin. as we move our way through, I got to get Jonas back on the pod. Got to get my buddy Jonas back on here without the real big three. I miss my guy. My guys Bogman and the Welsh. Um, got a lot of names that I want to get back on this thing. And we did it. We had so many of them during draft season that I, I admit, I got a little bit overwhelmed with information, trying to track what everybody was saying and make sure that I was relaying it properly. But now we're in the grind of it, man. We're in the thick of the season. It's time to get everybody back on, talk about how things are going, surprises, things of that nature, strategic stuff. That, I think, is the most important thing. What are they doing with their fantasy teams right now, and how can we apply that to what we've already talked about and kind of what we're doing with our own fantasy operation? Let's blitz through the Monday recap here. Again, I want to keep it somewhat on the short side today and just sort of highlight the most important stuff on the Knicks side, a quick important note, Nerland's Noel left after 12 minutes with a knee injury. If he and Mitchell Robinson are out for the next ball game, Taj Gibson would absolutely earn himself a spot start. He played 31 minutes, I want to say in relief, in this ballgame, very baseball-y term, but uh, kind of what he did. Now, if either Noel or Mitch Robb is good enough to go, you can throw it all out the window, because those guys get a whole bunch of run in that particular instance. On the Phillies side, they're down a whole bunch of guys right now. Joel Embiid, Tobias Harris, uh, Matisse Theibel, all in COVID protocols. Ben Simmons still out as the Simmons saga drags on. And in the meantime, the starting five it put up only, I mean, the, the team only scored 96 points overall. Starting five scored 71 of those, and all five guys were positive impact fantasy players in that game. Seth Curry, 14-4-6, four, a steal, a couple of three balls, made his free throws. Furkin Korkmaz, five three-pointers in this ballgame. That was a really nice game for him in 40 minutes. I mean, the thing is, they just don't really have a choice but to play these guys a ridiculous number of minutes because they were down to eight healthy bodies, and and one of those eight, they don't even really want to use that much. And that's Paul Reed. Shake Milton only played 22 minutes. I thought he'd do a little bit more in that ballgame. George neong is the guy I don't really trust inherently because his game is basically fully dependent on hitting three-pointers. And the rest of these guys can do other stuff. Andre Drummond is a must-start guy with Embiid out. Tyrese Maxey with extra usage moves back into the starting fantasy category. I really like Danny Green. I don't know if you guys remember what he did last year when half the team was out. Remember, they? this isn't the first rodeo for Philly in the COVID era. They had a bunch of guys out last year and kind of timed it. I think Tobias Harris actually was hurt briefly. And a couple of guys, Seth Curry, I believe, was down with COVID. And a couple other guys were down with COVID or just protocols. I don't remember exactly which one it was. And I think Simmons had a a back or a knee or something like that. And so there was a stretch last year where it was like, it was basically Danny Green versus the universe. And it was sweet. He never gets that kind of usage. He, I think, generally prefers to not be that guy. But if you look at those games, I think they were in March of last year. Let me flip through some of the box scores here while we're talking. Yeah. He had a game in March where he scored 28 points. He had a run in March where he went 18, 18, 11, 11, 28, 17, 8, and 11 points. He was going nuts in there. Three pointers he made over that stretch 6 4, 3 3, 8, 5, 2 3. Steals and blocks as per usual. Gets them both. He had an eight defensive stat game with three threes mixed in there. He actually had two games in that stretch with 11 cash counters. So don't write off the old man Danny Green. This is how he got to that weird like top 80 valuation last year because he was the last man standing a couple of different times. Stream away. Brooklyn, Chicago, I don't think we learned a whole lot here. Javante Green you can put on your watch list for now. People might scoop him up. I, I think he probably fades back a bit. He got 11 shots. That was good. Seven boards, three steals. That was also good. So that's the stuff to keep an eye on. Can he get 10 plus shots on a game to game basis? I don't think so, but I don't know that the answer is, isn't yes. And the rebounds were good and the steals were good. So keep an eye on Javante green. He's a watch list guy right now. Uh, getting LaMarcus Aldridge questions again, that's going to be coming and going as the season comes and goes. Uh, He's been very good over the last week. He's right around top 80 in that stretch. 12 points, 5.5 boards, 1.3 blocks, good percentages in both things. I just, you know, you couldn't possibly convince me that he's going to be able to do that top 80 long-term when Nicholas Claxton is back. We've seen a few good games out of Aldridge. We've also seen him shoot 63% on the year, uh, which is not a sustainable number. I don't care how good he is at the mid-range. That's coming down. Um, and 20 minutes per game just isn't enough. You know, his upside is basically where he's at right now. He's number 115 in nine categories. Right he's right on the border. And I'd say, well, you know, if he stretches that out and does it for an entire season, that could be a head-to-head useful. But he's also going to get rest days in there, which makes him head-to-head not so useful. So I can't quite get it over the hump here on LaMarcus Aldridge. Minnesota lost in Memphis. This game went to overtime. Minnesota blowing a late lead. We learned that Pat Beverly is going to start for the short term. Don't know if this is going to be a thing that sticks longer term for Minnesota, but if it does, he's probably worth an add. Uh, he might have been added already, frankly, because he was th- this was that streamer with benefits type of situation where he filled in for D'Angelo Russell as the starting sh- uh, point guard. Uh, and if anything, Pat Beverly staying in the starting lineup just means that Malik Beasley goes back to being completely useless, which is precisely what we saw in yesterday's ballgame. Uh someone was yelling at me on Twitter. It wasn't a yell. That's not the right uh question. Just asking me why I wasn't more bullish on Jared Vanderbilt and here point in case. They're he's not going to get consistent minutes. So no, he and Jaden McDaniels are are pretty much fighting for that power forward spot and and neither of them gets it consistently. So that's why. That's why. Um for Beverly He can do enough stuff kind of across the board. I used him as an example in the segment with Adam, but this game may be not a great example of it, but he did get two blocks in there, and that's what makes him sort of an interesting nine-cat roto type of guy, provided he can actually stay upright. If he gets 30 minutes, he'll get you a couple of threes. He'll get you some more rebounds than a typical point guard will, and the steals and blocks are usually okay for him as a combo plate. Probably the most interesting thing, maybe not the most interesting thing, but maybe the most sustainable thing that could have emerged from yesterday is, is Pat Beverly going to stay in the starting lineup? But his numbers are so not at all eye-popping that you could probably just squat on this and see in the next ball game. On the Memphis side, Brandon Clark got 24 minutes, and if he ever gets 24 minutes again, he definitely belongs on a roster. I just, I got to see it twice. I got to see it twice. We took him take, a, we saw him take a step back last year. He's averaging just 14 minutes a game So far this season, and sits outside the top 250, he's only cleared 20 minutes twice, and the previous time was their second game of the year, uh, where he went one for four, and missed one of his free throws. Remember, he was at 24 minutes a game last season, but the only reason he didn't get to fantasy value is because his shooting disappeared. He went from 62% and 76% field goal free throw to 52 and 69 last year. If you adjusted those numbers back up to his rookie season's values, he would have been a top 75 player last season. But you can't lose 10% on your field goal and expect to stick when that's one of your calling cards. Field goal percent was kind of his thing. That goes away. You don't have a thing anymore. So I need to see this again before I go launching face first into a Brandon Clark experiment. Uh, John Morant got real hot late in this game. That's a great opportunity now. If you want to try to move him, this is perhaps a little window as he pushed himself back up the leaderboard. Remember, he had fallen uh, down near like 52. He's now back up to 42 after this big ball game. But that other stuff is creeping in. The field goal percent, the free throw percent, that stuff is all starting to appear, and the 1.6 steals, that's probably also coming down. The 1.83s, that's come down. He was up around three to start the year. Points, boards, assists, if that stuff sticks, great, but the 48.5% shooting, that's also coming down. I think if you can get a top 50 guy for him, you gotta do it. DeAnthony Melton bounced back. Uh, Jaron Jackson Jr., quietly efficient game before fouling out. A lot of good stuff there. New Orleans-Dallas, I like Josh Hart as your streamer du jour right now. We'll see what he looks like as guys get healthy, but you got to fire him up. Jalen Brunson, 30 minutes again, 17-4-6. He's been very good for the Mavericks. Uh, Tim Hardaway actually had a decent ball game as well, but from a usage standpoint, Brunson's kind of pushed himself in front of everybody besides Luka and KP. So we got our confirmation here. With Porzingis back, Brunson has still been good. Two games in a row. They like him. They're using him. Fire him up for now. Understanding, of course, he has a fantasy stat set that is really hard to keep inside the top 100. He is points. He is rebounds. And he is, well, not even rebounds so much. Decent rebounder for a guard. But he's basically points and field goal percent with a I'm not bad at rebounds and assists. He's been slightly better than average because he's been able to just sort of have the ball more. But he's not a great foul shooter. He doesn't get defensive stats, and he doesn't hit three-pointers. That's four things that you'd hope... Well, three. You know, we can wipe blocks out because you don't expect a guard to get a ton of blocks. But free throw, steals, threes. These are things that you expect of a shooting guard or a point guard, whatever he's playing out on there on the floor right now, that he doesn't give you. So he has to make up for it in other out-of-position stats to stay above the fray. It's why I'm so skeptical. But right now, he's getting so much run that you got to roll with it. Miami went into Denver and laid an egg, and then uh, Nikola Jokic creamed Markeith Morris. I don't have strong feelings on uh, the the extracurricular stuff that went on in this ball game. We'll find out when we find out on the Jokic stuff. I, I would assume some short suspension is coming, which sucks. Because he had been the number one player in fantasy again. I think Steph actually moved in front of him after last night's crazy game. But boy, if uh, like Will Barton has gone full voodoo doll style this year. Because everyone is going down in Denver besides Will Barton. Who's been good enough without all these guys going down. He's now number 45 in nine category leagues. And he's probably got a game or two here, depending on what happens with Jokic, where he can eclipse that. He's just going crazy to this point. Someone else probably steps up if Jokic gets suspended. Will it be Jamichael Green? Will Aaron Gordon finally have a decent ball game or a couple in a row? Monte Morris got close to decent fantasy value last night. I could argue this is an okay game. Will he be forced to take an extra couple of shots? I think it's easier to just leave that one alone because I don't think the suspension is going to be all that long. Meanwhile, on the Heat side, Bam Adebayo left this ball game and then came back and he just, he doesn't quite look himself dealing with a sore knee. We know that that's what's going on there. Um, but like, look, Jimmy Butler was the only heat who showed up for this ball game. So if you want to clown on Bam Adebayo, we have to clown on Kyle Lowry, who had one of the worst games for anybody all season long right now. And, uh, Tyler Hero, who was a little bit better than the other two is now falling. He's outside the top 80 in nine category leagues. So, um, you know, make your move when you can. We've been talking about how you, you kind of have to sell high. Do it if you can still do it. Steph Curry beat the Hawks. I think that's a fair assessment of that ball game. Warriors are just playing well right now, and the Hawks are playing poorly. I don't even need anything else to put into this thing. Uh, Clint Capella had a bad one. Trey Young, John Collins, those guys have been able to stay very good so far this year. There's just like a weird chemistry thing going on with the Hawks that I can't fully figure out. Trey, Collins, Capella, those guys are good to go. Bogdan is probably a safe start most days. He's sitting right around the edge of the top 90, and then that continues to be it. On the Warriors' side, I think you can probably bench Andrew Wiggins until he starts to look like himself. Uh, there isn't much usage going to him right now, and when it is, he's not making his shots. The defensive stats aren't really there yet. If you want to just squat on him for a little bit, he'll get there. It just—he's kind of playing himself into game shape, as a lot of guys have done so far this year. But we also knew he was coming off an injury, so sort of a double whammy there. Jordan Poole, a couple of good ball games in a row now. He's pushed himself back up into that 60 to 75 range. If you can sell, do it. I mean, this is the better the better side. He'll go through a cold stretch, and he'll fall back into the 90 range, and so on and so forth, while the Warriors wait on Klay Thompson. Phoenix beat Sacramento on the road. This game was uh, a pretty sizable Phoenix lead. Kings made a push late, but it wasn't enough. Harrison Barnes still cooking. No Tyrese Halliburton, so De'Aaron Fox was forced to actually do some stuff. He'd had three steals and three blocks, but Fox still isn't even... Like, he's not even on the board in fantasy leagues right now. He's number 192, and he'll obviously come up from that. But, you know, he's got teammates that need to be involved now, and games where he's like the lone wolf, they don't go all that great. I mean, the argument here was probably there should have been more Harrison Barnes, and missing Halliburton, that hurt him. I can't believe Barnes is still. As high as high up as he is. He's played more like a top 40 guy the last two weeks after that crazy start, but he's still number 16 overall. If you could sell him for someone inside the top 40, you'd definitely do it. I don't think you can get that, but worth a shot. Mikhail Bridges, four defensive stats. Nice to see that. Chris Paul still quietly trucking along. They didn't bring the starters back, really, in this ballgame, or not all of them, at least. Uh, JaVale McGee is your guy if DeAndre Ayton has to miss any additional basketball games then campaign got hot for a game and nobody cared. Uh, Lakers beat the Hornets 126-123 in overtime. LaMelo Ball 6-6 six for six at the free throw line again in a big triple-double. I admit I did not see a 97% free throw clip coming for LaMelo Ball. I was way too low on this dude. I thought if he made an adjustment at the foul line, he could get himself up around 80 where Alonzo where got last year, but high 90s right now, which, I mean, we know that's going to come down a little bit, but even if it does, he's clearly taken a big step forward there. He's taken a big step forward in his perimeter shooting, uh, and he complained about not getting to play as much, so he got a ton of extra minutes in this ballgame, and uh, the numbers were ridiculous. He's also managed to keep his turnovers relatively low. We all thought that turnovers was going to be a a big hole for him and he was going to have to sort of be fighting that uphill battle against a a four-turnover-a-game kind of thing. He's only at two and a half. He did all of the things he needed to do. Field goal percent is still at 44, but frankly, when the volume goes up the way it has for him, the fact that it's only at 44 and no one can frickin' shoot so far this year, that's barely a net negative this season. Do I think he's going to stay inside the top ten? Eh, probably not. That that medium volume, nearly hundred percent free throw shooting, that's probably not going to stick. Um, I don't know if I don't know if the the rebounds stay as high as they are. I don't know if the threes stay as high as they are. But a lot of that stuff is pretty well locked in. I think we figured the assists would make a jump. He's just been amazing so far. I definitely was not high enough on Lamelo Ball. I don't feel that bad about it because I was taking Jimmy Butler in the second round everywhere anyway. So, you know, bullet dodged. And then, uh, like, if if Rudy Gobert was where you ended up in the mid-late second round, yes, obviously Lamello's winning that battle, but Rudy's at 25. So he went safe anyway. Not a ton of harm done, but damn, has Lamelo been good so far. Terry Rozier, good to see him get back on track a little bit. Uh, Mason Plumlee, they needed more of him because the Lakers front court is massive. I still think it's a bit more matchup based, and like he needs to be more heavily involved on most games. So, uh, not diving too far into that one. And then on the Lakers side, Westbrook triple double, but you know all the usual stuff: bad shooting, bad free throws, bad turnovers, gross. Carmelo Anthony, unbelievable, truly unbelievable so far this year. Number 30. How the hell did that happen? (laughs) I mean, I have him in a couple of spots. I picked him up as a stream because I thought he was just hot. And, I mean, he is. He's shooting 50% this year. Uh, And, like, just canning threes. Like, three and a half a ball game. He's one of the league leaders in three-pointers right now. Uh, Like, this is is absolutely positively nuts. It's Steph, Buddy Heald, CJ McCollum, and Carmelo Anthony. Those are your top four (laughs) three-pointers in the NBA. Yeah, I mean, ride it out. Ride it out. Uh, we will do the nightly preview on Twitter today because we're running long already. Uh, it'll be a quick one, just the three-game or what to watch for happening out on at Dan Vespers on Twitter. Folks, I, I didn't get a chance to do really any promo on today's show, so please hear quickly at the end. Take that minute and a half to rate and review the podcast. I know you're like itching to turn it off and go to your next thing, but I would really, really, really appreciate it. I will do the live on air check right now to see if anybody wrote something funny over the last couple of days. iTunes tends to post stuff, you know, a day or two after it, it uh it pops up. Um Nah, you guys are just you guys are just being nice again. Ah, you're so nice. You jerks. I like you guys. You guys are cool. Uh, thank you for everybody that's rated and reviewed it so far. If you're someone that's watched, listened to the show forever, um, grab your buddy's phone and do it on that one. It all helps. I promise. It really does. It all helps. And again, very happy to announce that this podcast will be sponsored all season long by our good friends at manscaped.com. Use promo code HoopBall20. Get 20% off and free shipping on whatever you get over there. Lots of cool holiday stuff coming out over at Manscaped.com. So uh, take a peek, see if you want anything, even something cheap. Get some boxers, get some cologne, whatever it is. Uh, even bigger sales coming up. But you guys got to use our promo code. Otherwise, they'll think we we stink at promoing them over here. <laughs> and that'll be that. Um, yeah, we'll do more promo tomorrow. There's my promise. You guys got out of it pretty easy today. I'm Dan Basparis. This is Fantasy NBA Today. Have a great Tuesday, everyone. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. So long. This has been a HoopBall presentation.